it's funny just the uh, the ups and the downs of the whole project, and then when you, you get to the the middle of it, you actually get over that hump of okay, I've got something and I can work with this and stuff. And that's when the euphoria starts hitting, mm. you know, coming in and stuff like that. And then you, you're jumping out of bed and then you're, true. you get to the end point and you're like, oh, that was great. Can't wait for the next one. And then you're back in the whole cycle again. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, I think uh, I was even going to do a rant on this about the podcast, but the, the project cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've all experienced this where, you know, we're super excited at the very beginning. It's just like, we're, we're going to get going on this and things are going great. And then you realize, you know, about 10% in that this is going to be pretty <laughs> intense project. Yeah. You hit the middle and it's just like, oh my God, I don't even want to wake up today. Yeah. yeah. And then you climb back up yeah. and, and eventually gets better towards the end. But even in the midst of that, when you've made that commitment to like a big project, it seems like something and i don't want to say something bad like some kind of breakdown happens in your life mm, right mm. in the middle it oh, seems yeah. almost inevitable that when you make a commitment to something big there's some kind of major breakdown in your life that no that's true yeah yeah, yeah i think you, you can never plan for those things but no. that's that you just got to roll with them and deal with them and i think but i think we were also talking about this before is like um especially when you're dealing with a client you've got to be able to set the appropriate expectations and have keep the deadlines uh, and, and keep the deadlines but also do the communication yeah and, you know if you are you're on the ball and you tell your client hey dude sorry something's come up my like my kids at school i gotta pick them up they're sick I, you know the dog's barfing all over the place you know, anything they'll understand but if you come back and you, you, they've given you something and you're radio silent for a week and you miss your deadline because, hey, your kid's in, in the, the hospital or, or you, you've come down with something. You can't work in, the, in, in they, the deadline comes and they're like, where the hell's my stuff? And you're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> That's not going to work. No, 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 certainly not. No, you, you got you to gotta be in, you know, not hourly minute kind of thing but you know just give them something every day kind of thing you know send them an email like yeah here's what i've done this is my work in progress what do you think or this uh, this is where i think i'm at at this project or this is you know you know what uh, just just touch base yeah yeah I'm I'm guilty of sin, you know. I think <laughs> <laughs> last year, last year was some tough, tough life lessons in in this, and it was really important that uh, I go through what I did to, yeah. to learn what I did as well. But yeah, I, I definitely dropped some balls there with, yeah. with some clients, and yeah, and I think that's I I kind of learned that from the other side of the fence where I was um, uh, a program manager and a project manager was that. I, I called that yeah. more as a, a professional pain in the ass where I would be going around to my team and uh, like, where are you at? What are you doing? Just tell me how you're doing. Anything I can help with. You know, that that's the kind of thing. They kind of learned that, you know, that's that, that was my style. I just needed to have that communication. And so I, I try to pass that on to uh, my clients as well mm -hmm. uh, as, okay, your expectation, you, you've just given your baby to me uh, to just screw around with artistically, and I've got to be able to make you feel comfortable. Uh, with what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and so forth. How can I do that? It's all about communication. Yeah. Yeah. 
I learned some big lessons about project management because of what I went through last year. <laughs> and, and I think that's maybe one thing too that artists need more of yeah. is learning how to manage their projects and get it done efficiently and be in touch, not micromanaging, but be in touch with their band or artists or producer, whoever is involved mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. be like, how are you doing? Like actually on a human level, yeah. find out if they're okay. Yeah. And if they're okay, great. If they're, are they feeling overwhelmed? Okay. Well, maybe we need to come back to this a week from now and see if they're, if they're doing any better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, those types of responsibilities are kind of lost on the, the social media texting generation, yeah. right? Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, I send an email and you get the work done, right? Nope. Doesn't work that no. way. No. It really doesn't. Cause I've, I've been burnt out like that before to where it's like, uh, I'm sorry, I guess you know, would have loved to get this done for you, but, yeah. but I'm, I'm yeah. burnt out already. Yeah, exactly. But it's, I think, well, I'll share this one story with you. Whereas it was one of the last jobs I did before I jumped ship into this career. Mm. Um, we were opening up the, the science fiction museum down um, in, in Seattle. And um, mm. it was coming up to the last month of opening and stuff. And my boss um, was, she worked at uh, JPL and, um, you know, she's, she was one of the ones that launched, managed the, one of the Mars rover missions. And so she was, she's coming f from an engineering standpoint. You got to have a work breakdown structure, schedule, all that sort of stuff. We're coming at the last month here and she's like, oh, well, you, you, you've got, you put it, put, put out a schedule and put it out to everybody and, you know, explain everything and i was like bear with me here yeah no i think what we're going to do is every day like every every morning i bring in all the team leads to one place and just sort of go around the table okay what's what's going on today who's got a problem that needs to needs to be fixed and everybody talk to each other and go kind of thing and that totally that was that. so much more efficient everybody was able to fight fires better and the communication lines were open and that kind of stuff you just you just gotta talk talk yeah. things through absolutely i think yeah. that's huge just doing daily check-ins great yeah, yeah. If you can do yeah. that at least weekly i would say just to make sure that everybody's all right because yeah. i know in my world a week could easily go by without me answering my emails. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I am definitely constructing or at least beginning to think about some kind of audio program I could do on project management. Of course, if we frame it as project management, no one's going to want to buy that. No, so. no. <laughs> that's, that's death knell right yeah, there. Dude. It really is. <laughs> it, I was going to call it like rock star pro project manager, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it has to be a little bit uh, more, more appealing. Yeah, you got to come up with something a little sexier than Definitely that. Definitely something oh, sexier oh. if I want to sell a few of those, <laughs> which I do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, that's that's great. I think, yeah, just that human connection, uh, unfortunately. It can be it can, it's so easy to get lost, right? Yeah, it is. When, when we are only connected digitally a lot of the time. So. It is, yeah. It, and I think... You know, I was just talking with a couple of people, um, you know, checking in with people that I haven't heard from lately on uh, social media. And that was uh, one of the, you know, things like you don't know. Like one of them was like just going, she was going through this real rough patch and she had to disconnect from 
social media and, you know, she was you know, almost having like a nervous breakdown of, uh, of things and stuff. And she's like, oh my God, thank you for reaching out for me oh, and talking wow. to me and stuff like that. And that, that's the kind of stuff that it go it, it goes a long way. Yeah. And it's, you know, being sincerely um, connected to your clients and connected to the people that you work with on a daily basis. Well, you, you could have worked with them last week or you could have worked with them three years ago, but, you know, just every once in a while, like that's the thing, I'll just scroll through my feed and see a picture of something or somebody mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, I haven't heard from them. I'll just go reach out and talk to them and stuff totally. like that. You know, that it's was just that simple. And that's, yeah. the, I think that's the true intention behind or the right way to use social media. Yeah. 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 I totally avoid those political conversations. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I, I've personally seen where that can go. Oh and my God. No. Yeah, yeah. I think I had, uh, I mean, it was a fairly neutral comment about what was happening in the States, but pretty soon, you know, I had a friend who was like, Oh, I'm just, I'm defriending you right now. I said, okay, I guess we're not friends, you know, wow. we, we never were. Yeah. Right? Cause, uh, you, you don't really know the spirit with which this is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's uh, Eli Gold Goldrat came to mind, and, and the Critical Chain. He wrote a few books about about project management, right? And and how so many of them actually never get it to the finish line. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, especially artistic projects. You know, I've seen all those. <laughs> you see the memes yeah. of like, I've got a great idea. Well, what about your ten unfinished ideas that you started? <laughs> Been there. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody's got these unfinished things on. Uh, well, you probably saw me picking, <laughs> opening up my list there of all these things. Yeah. You know, half of those are unfinished ideas I've had. But um, yeah, it's one of those things where you just, uh, uh, unless you have, you know, a specific project that you're doing that has a deadline it's it's hard yeah to finish something i think so too yeah and especially something happens too when you realize that time's limited and energy is limited and mm-hmm. you're staring down the barrel of 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever it might be yeah and realizing like there's only so many things i'm gonna get to do here yeah i gotta choose now yeah so oh, oh yeah yeah it's and especially if it's just for you um i find the stuff that I do for other people. I was, you know, it has to get done. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, course. and that's but, yeah. one of the reasons it does get done. Yeah, but one of the yeah, I did write this um, piece that got. Uh, I was, it was sort of half done, and I started talking with his band director at, uh, at a local school, and he was like, "Oh, I like this. Oh, do you want to do it for um, the spring concert coming up?" And I was like. Okay, and that mm. that was one of the things that's sort of like, okay, this is the impetus to kick me in the butt to do this and finish it and get mm. it done and stuff like that. But otherwise, I probably would have just been going around and circling the drain uh, every time I like open it up and sort of fiddle with it a little bit and close it and forget it and that kind of stuff. But this was one of those things where it's like, I think whether it's a self, I don't know if self-imposed deadlines work for maybe it works for some artists but yeah. i think most people self-imposed deadlines are so easy just to like eh, whatever um, yeah. and you pass over them but you know just having somebody have an external um you know deadline and uh expectation of having a finished product at this point in time it really is a <laughs> a kick butt kind of thing to get you it going is. and finish something 
One of the things I realized on that too is just issue the release. That's something that artists don't do, but labels and big companies have done for years, decades, millennia. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, that's if you issue the release and say it's going to be out by this day, and here's the description, and here's what I'm building towards. Not only are you clear on what you need to do, but now you're kind of accountable to. Your, your fans to get it done. <laughs> you do have to have a fan base to do that. Yeah, too. otherwise <laughs> otherwise nobody cares. But, yeah. but then, I guess that's the thing is like you, you've, to get to that point, you've probably gotten over that hump of, um, I have, I'm so excited to do all this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just want to share it with the world kind of stuff. And by the time you've got that fan base, you, you, you are in sort of that rut. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I used to have whiteboards filled with ideas. Oh. I want to do a jazz instrumental album, and I want to do an acoustic rock album. <laughs> All these <laughs> other and, and instead, what I end up doing is uh, just releasing EPs or albums that are yeah. all over the map in terms of genre so that I get to express all of it. But That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I missed. It was one of those uh, last... Um, I don't produce many artists or anything, but the last one I did, uh, she put out an album of... It was all over the place, and that mm. was like that was one of the concerns which she came up with was, is it supposed to, like the last? This was her fourth album she did. Yeah, the last three I guess were pretty well. You know, they they all sounded like all the songs seemed to fit within these parameters of sound and and style and so forth. And um, she really wanted to do something different. I was like, well, that's sort of what my favorite albums were. You, you yeah, look at definitely. like the Van Halen one or not to mm-hmm. dwell on that or, you know, go, go to Genesis or um, uh, Peter Gabriel stuff. It's, it's like that stuff from the eighties is, it was all over the place. Yeah. Like in terms of style um, and genres and things that they were experimenting with. And I, I, I was telling her, like, I was asking her what her favorite album was. It was sort of the same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I was like, well, why do you have to have a, a certain genre and a certain style and a certain sound on every certain, tra- every single track? It's like, this is the place to showcase your stuff, show them what you are mm-hmm. and stuff. And I, I think that would be, that's so cool to be able to do that. I miss that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think it it just comes down to strategy. Like if you really have those big label aspirations or whatever, you may have to establish yourself in a specific genre or style. But if you want to do it for for yourself, for your fans, for the enjoyment of it, then then why not show, express all of your creative sides? Yeah. 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 I I love it. I I think she she loved the way it it turned out and stuff. That's awesome. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So it was like pop, rock, jazz, just all, all over the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of blues in there. Blues, and, nice. Uh, yeah. We had electronic stuff. We had a three piece bands in here. And it was, there was one where it was just, you know, singer songwriter kind of stuff. So yeah, it was all over the place. It was yeah. great. It was great. It was good fun recording it. We spent a lot of time on it. It was just one of those things. It's like, okay, is this done yet? <laughs> <laughs> it took a while. Yeah. <laughs> was it all the layering of tracks or was oh, it the yeah. backing vocals? Or? Well, there there were some where we were just like, uh, we spent weeks just layering vocals uh. and trying different things. And like, there's one song where she was doing a, you know, operatic singing and at mm. the end of one and stuff. And it was just like we we're just trying out all these things. 
And it was, uh, yeah, it was fun to experiment. So a lot of it got thrown out, but it was, right. one of the, you have to go down these paths and try them out. You do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. When I did uh, the No Escape EP with Pat, I mean, he was he was going, the one problem with your music is it's not consistent. There's different styles all over. <laughs> and it, it is, you know, it's a five track uh, EP, but the first one's kind of a funk rock thing. And then there's an acoustic blues thing. And then there's uh, kind of a progressive power rock power pop song yeah followed by uh honest to god pop song and then uh folk rock yeah cool kind of a singer songwriter type thing so that's so cool yeah yeah i love that kind of stuff where it just throws you it's not like i i i sort of like in the um a lot of the albums that are out right now it's you're basically touring a neighborhood Mm. and um the, what I like to hear is when you're basically taking somebody on a tour of not just the neighborhood, this whole city and the surrounding areas kind of stuff. You want yeah. to see everything about this place, this artist, what have you. What can you do? And yeah. what, uh, you know, push yourself outside, outside your comfort zone. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think it used to be that people would embed themselves in a specific scene, whether it was the New York punk or yeah. whatever was available at the time. And, and nowadays people are so interested yeah. in, in a variety of things and a broad base of things. That Oh my God. Yeah. There's like just list, looking at my kids' playlists of stuff. Yeah. Like my uh, daughter is into uh, K-pop and, and my son is into video game stuff, yeah. jazz, uh, singer-songwriter stuff. And um, anime soundtracks and it's like holy cow like classical he's like going to going to school listening to uh, like symphony Beethoven symphonies and stuff and I'm like what yeah yeah like <laughs> I want yeah I would have been caught dead with a you know a symphony exactly. in my CD players like geez yeah there's no there's no stigma anymore right? I know there used to be but it's... you had to be part of AC yeah. yeah not so much now yeah and I I, I gotta admit like like. When I'm driving my daughter to school and she puts in her like her K-pops uh, stuff like uh, uh, Twice and Blackpink and all these bands you you tell people and they've never heard of, <laughs> it's cool. It's kind of cool. Like yeah. half this like there's half English, but it's, the, it's half Korean and stuff. But like they they're experimenting with a lot of different Absolutely. things that I would like to listen to. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with uh, uh, J-pop and, and J-rock. Oh yeah, Japan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, obviously, so I, and I'm also familiar with some of some of what's been happening in in K-pop too. But one of the reasons Marty Friedman from Megadeth oh, yeah. ended up wanting to create a career in Japan and sign a label there was because he realized there was no boundaries in terms of what you could do. Yeah. With with the music, so you could combine Inca, like ja- traditional Japanese folk music, with heavy metal guitars and I think it was just, totally okay you know yeah you just look at everything that's coming out of japan it's like you look at their game shows it's like what yeah the variety shows the <laughs> game shows cow. yeah <laughs> there's some weird stuff for sure there's some really weird stuff yeah but the it's all up to exp- like experimentation i love it yeah i love it yeah it's yeah. so cool what's yeah. what's happening yeah your pop music could actually have like a you know seven seven chord progression yeah you know you yeah. never hear that here yeah yeah cool yeah oh man <laughs> most of the time we get you're lucky if you get five chords these days <laughs> <laughs> that is true that yeah. is true yeah so my son he's like 
uh, learning guitar and stuff, and he's like, he he laughs every time. It's just oh, it's another four chord progression. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I did that too. Yeah, in the early days of developing, and then you hear something really cool. I'm gonna go try it, and then you realize it's power chords. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of rock songs and punk songs, and even metal songs. Yeah, are. Just totally. built around those progressions. Oh yeah. Sometimes yeah. you can get really great leverage out of them, mind you. But of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's talk about gear for a second, maybe. All right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What are you using these days? Um, well, most of the stuff, all my uh, instruments and stuff, is driven off my Mac Pro. Mm -hmm. um, I use Logic as my um, workstation, and I've. Um, I don't really have any specific, I guess the favorites that I use these days in terms of software synths are, uh, I've got a few Spitfire mm -hmm. um, libraries, East-West, I've got Native Instruments. Um, I use a lot of the stuff that's in stock in Logic. Um, they've, they, you know, for 200 bucks, they pack a whole lot of shit in there. Yeah, like it's pretty amazing. The, when they from when they are able to acquire Alchemy from Camel Audio uh, as a software synth, that was that was wow. It's like sort of like you don't need to go and get the Omnispheres or what right. have you out there. Um, it actually did a it's a it's a great little synth um, in terms of like audio plugins and stuff. Really, I use I use the stock stuff in Logic. Wow. Um, there's a couple of things that I'll use uh, from Waves um, that you just don't get um, with the Logic plugins. Uh, some of the metering stuff, I use external stuff. Um, uh, there's a couple of reverbs and delays that I'll use external stuff. Saturation, they, they lack, so I have a couple of... Um, Know, tape saturation or mm. tube saturation plugins that I'll use, but most of the stuff, uh, like we we're saying, is most is all in the box. I used yeah. to have racks of of synths. I had like Yamaha Tritons, um, Emu stuff, mm -hmm. and it got to the point um, where I just wasn't using them anymore. I wasn't even powering them up, and it was just all. It was just so much easier to throw up a software synth and um, use that. And because uh, you got the total recall, uh, all the tweaks you've made on the parameters and stuff get recalled back up kind of thing. You don't have to send the continuous controller, special MIDI messages to reset things. And it was just, you know, everything being in logic and on, on the machine in software form, it just makes so much more sense. Yeah. You know, it was funny. It was uh, at one of the uh, local post houses um, and they haven't updated their systems <laughs> for a long time. And it was one of those ones where I just walk in and they're actually using a, like an old eight, uh, IBM 8088 uh, computer as their wow. uh, master clock. Yeah. And like synchronizing all these machines and stuff that were networked together. And it was just like, it was painful to watch. Like the, the, it sounded good, but it was painful to watch them try to juggle all these pieces of technology that were all being synced yeah. uh, externally. And when you go to a modern or like a more modern up-to-date post house, it's the same sort of thing. Everything's on one box. Yeah. Uh, or maybe they have like a, a backup backup 
uh, kind of uh, you know, slave box or something like that. Right. But it was like or server. Um, yeah, but everything is in the box, like everything. I know yeah. that's the crazy part, right? Yeah. I mean, there isn't quite as much necessity to geek out over the gear. No, anymore. I know. It's, it's basically what are your inputs, and you know, I typically just use my Focusrite Sapphire. Um, Focusrite's great. Yeah, yeah and uh, it's got the, like the two, and whenever I brought drums and stuff, it has a like an ADAT, and so I just rent one of those Digi Eight um, inputs, mm. and I was able able to add like eight mic inputs to that, and it was able to show. They were able to show up. Uh, but then I wrote everything out through um, my uh, central station, and I have um, Atom A7s as my main monitors, and Event 2020s as my, well, just double check monitors <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. And uh, that's about it. That's wow. uh, a couple of keyboards. I have a Roly um, Seaboard Black, which is fun. And uh, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any thoughts on the uh, analog digital debate? Uh, Things have changed so much. Well, from right? in my industry, I don't think there is any debate. It's right. just all digital. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is no the way composing. people would use use analog at all, but um you know, it's I forget who said it. It's like you're not you're not recording something for engineers. You're recording it for the general public, and they That's don't really true. give a shit. No, no, like what you're doing it on. So if you like analog and you like the sound of it, and you like the workflow, go with it. If you like digital, all in the box stuff, go with that too. But yeah, no, it's if anybody worked in analog in in the film industry, it would be death knell for their project. Right. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean in the in the consumer side of things, I mean you can give them something that's uh MP3, right? And compressed and uh the the whole lossless audio thing was something Neil Young did a did a little venture into Yeah, there, the Pono thing. The Pono, yeah. yeah. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> What is he like? Seventy years old now. Yeah. He's hearing that can't even tell. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, not the worst um, idea, but yeah, yeah. It, it was not destined to uh, no. for success in any way. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and even even title was kind of a total shit show when when they launched it. Yeah. They're, they're still in business, though. Right? Yeah, they're yeah, still going. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jay-Z can keep it afloat, I'm, I'm sure, sure. But yeah. <laughs> it's like, whatever. That's the same thing. It's like, you know, comp there's a niche group that would appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Like the, but it's not, you know, for the vast majority of it, and I've had this um, argument with people, is that the consumer consumes music in a passive form yes um active listening is not something that major vast majority of people do and it's just for the hipsters right now. yeah and it's it's it, convenience is key yeah so if it's not convenient for the the consumer to listen to while they're vacuuming or walking the dog or driving in the car and stuff like that they won't care what what is what is going to get them their music fastest and easiest. Mm -hmm. um, some other people will just basically want to you know invest the time to be able to sit down in the sweet spot 
and listen to music. That, that's sort of the same thing with the the DVD audio and a super audio CDs that came out like I think it was two decades ago or something. People are trying to re-release albums and surround sound. Um, it was the same sort of thing. I, I bought into that and I, I said, oh, this is going to be so cool. And, um, you know, quickly found out, like after a few listens to this, to, to the CD and you get over the, the hump of, okay, this sounds pretty cool. I can't take this anywhere. Yeah. Like I have to like carve out this hour timeline time to sit in one spot and appreciate the surround sound mix. Yeah. And that's it. It's, there's no, you can't do anything else. And it's like, uh, I, I think there's only a few people that will be able to do that and appreciate it and do it consistently. But I think yeah. most people out there, no. It's funny how we thought that's the way things were going about 10 yeah. years ago, right? Yeah. No, it is funny. <laughs> Surround yeah. sound and, and high quality sound and all this. Yeah. No, and it works in a home theater standpoint because mm. you have to sit in front of a TV and then you're, you're forced to be in one spot and, you know, get the, the sound. But, you know, from an audio standpoint, yeah. no. Yeah. And I've certainly taken some chances in that regard. Like my latest release, I guess this is the second time I've done a release like this that was like rough around the edges, not the best takes in the world. Yeah. You know, some of the harmonies aren't quite right, but guess what? It's my new project. Yeah. And here it is. Yeah, here I you go. I put it out into the world and uh, there's no blowback. <laughs> people people don't mind hearing kind of the, the behind the scenes, you know, the inside, the inner circle. Yeah. You know, stuff you had sitting on your hard drive for two years kind of stuff. No. People don't mind at all. Yeah. And I mean, even people like Rivers Cuomo and I'm sure there's plenty of others that have put their rough demos and early takes out there. So, yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. I think they even did that with, with the Jimi Hendrix material and maybe they're still doing it. I don't know. I'm, I'm not up to that mm -hmm. side of things anymore, but I used to follow that yeah. and they would put out, you know, take 38 of, of, of Purple Haze or whatever it was. And I was like, okay, so are you guys going to re-releasing like take one, take two, take oh three, like God, yeah. over the Come years, on, like at that point, I don't know. I don't know if yeah. I want to hear it, but. Yeah. No, I, I found like some of that stuff's fascinating. Like when, when the Beach, yeah. Beach Boys released their, um, like on they're basically raw vocal tracks on some of their stuff and you mm. just listen to that and you realize there's no auto tune on this no nope. and that's real singing those guys nailed it yeah wow yeah there's few bands that do that anymore yeah. right yeah whether it's def leppard or yeah <laughs> beach, beach boys is a great one beatles yeah. did it very well yep. too yep. yeah yeah so. uh, that was that that's that's when it gets cool but yeah no i, I agree i'm not really into the whole I'm not like the super fan who yeah. wants to listen to like take, the deep, whatever. deep, deep yeah. catalog. Yeah. There's no point anymore, right? There's so much music. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and that, that was, yeah. You know, on the point of real singing, like, you know, there's the, the wispy millennial small mouthed, you know, sort of, oh. I know what you mean. Yeah. I feel like it maybe started around John Mayer, you know, oh my gosh. times. Yeah. And, oh my God. I, I hope that ends soon. Yeah. That remember, trend, yeah. But. Watching the YouTube video on how to sing like a hipster. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll I'm subjected to this music everywhere I go oh, in, in the public. So. <laughs> I'm being facetious, but... Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Oh, man, we've gone for almost an hour. What do you think? Wow. Like, yeah. I think this has been great conversation. Yeah. And if we want to catch up again, obviously, at some point, we probably could. So, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for joining me, Dave. No problem. Thanks for your time it's, and generosity. It's a pleasure. It's all. It's awesome to see you. Yeah, great you know? to see you too. Yeah, it's been good hanging. <laughs> yeah, out. up until like a couple weeks ago, we we'd only been ever talking on email yeah, or over email. Skype. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's great to actually meet. You know, it's always totally. a different experience when you've known someone from the digital world and then meet them in person. It's it's weird. It, it, can, it can be it can be weird. Yeah, you'd be forewarned, but once you get uh, comfortable, yeah, it's good. No, it is cool. It's cool. It's yeah. gra- glad you can come over to the studio and see it. And, no, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a weird feeling, you know, having seen. I think you posted pictures on a blog or somewhere yeah. of it being built all those years ago, and then actually being in that room is kind of a it's a very weird feeling but it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah getting uh kicked out of the house and being put in the garage was uh it's not it's well actually it's the the guy who used to own this place used this as a woodworking oh yeah you can't even fit a car through that no door. it doesn't look like you could um so you know i basically boarded it all up and put up the roxel um everywhere and it's it's pretty well dead i think there's like a very yeah it's pretty dead in yeah here. it's a pretty minimal reflection yeah uh, time in here if there is any uh but yeah i love being in here it's but, great but if you're in vancouver you need a small car right <laughs> <laughs> no you got a bike everywhere oh okay that's the trick yeah well i should be used to it i lived in japan and the, the streets are even more narrow than here oh so. they would be one day yeah they, yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, cool, man. Yeah. It was great talking with you. Great talking with you, too. Thank you. All right. So I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dave Chick. I know that we both had a lot of fun. I just wanted to let you know real quick that the Music Entrepreneur Code is now available for pre-order on Amazon. So you can go to musicentrepreneurhq.com slash buy code. That's B-U-Y-C-O-D-E to pre-order your copy of the Music Entrepreneur Code. Again, if you'd like to get the Kindle version, paperback versions are coming. But if you'd like to pre-order the Kindle version, you can go to musicentrepreneurhq.com slash buy code. That's B-U-Y-C-O-D-E. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. 